What's going on everyone? This is Matthew Lillard and welcome to Dorm Room Sports Podcast, where we talk, argue, and lay the foundation of all things college sports. You can find us on our blog at mal00220.wixsite.com slash dormroomsports or reach us on our Twitter and Instagram at original underscore DRS. That is original underscore DRS. Now let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome to the inaugural first ever Dorm Room Sports Podcast. You're here hanging with the host, Matthew Lillard. And I would first like to start off by saying thank you to those who have supported the brand so far and have contributed in getting this whole thing rolling. I also hope you all are enjoying the content we are putting together and throwing out there for you guys. Hope you are enjoying it, having fun with it, and let's keep the ball rolling. Today's topics, we will first start with a look back at the 2019-2020 men's college basketball season and the awards that have been giving out. Despite there being no postseason play and no March Madness, thanks to the coronavirus pandemic, but we will shine light off of that and look towards the future at next season and what big-name playmakers, coaches, and teams may steal the show in next season's year of play. We first start in Dayton, Ohio at Dayton University. Obi Toppin took home the AP Naismith and Wooden Player of the Year awards. He came not necessarily out of nowhere, but he only played one year of high school varsity basketball and it's probably why he ended up in the Atlantic 10 Conference, a mid-major, rather than a Power 5 Conference. But he was able to come in as a freshman and win the A-10 Freshman of the Year last season by averaging 14 points, 5 rebounds. And in this season, his sophomore campaign able to up those numbers from 14-5 and five to 20 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, and finish 18th in the country in field goal percentage at 63%. Obi also took home the Carl Malone Power Forward of the Year Award and numerous All-American awards. The other nominees for Player of the Year, there's four of them. We'll start with in Kansas with Yudoka Azabuki, who had a tremendous season, led the nation in field goal percentage, and averaged a double-double and was a heck of a defender. He took pride in his defense and blocked shots. Luca Garza out of Iowa, who in my opinion could have and should have been co-Player of the Year along with Obi. Luca was able to put up better numbers, but Iowa did not have the season Dayton had, and I believe that factors into the voting. Luca was able to put up nearly 24 points a game and 10 rebounds a game. Marcus Howard, point guard out of Marquette, out of the Big East, playmaker, bucket getter, led the nation in scoring at nearly 28 points a game. He's been that way ever since he came into college, and hopefully he will continue that into the future and even in the next level. Love to see him play. And then the final nominee for Player of the Year also came out of the Big East, and it was point guard for Seton Hall, Miles Powell. He's also a bucket getter, another playmaker, able to average 21 points a game this season. Him and Marcus kind of go hand-in-hand hand with their style of play. We will stay in Dayton, where the Coach of the Year was given out to Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant was able to lead Dayton into a record 29 wins and only had two losses on the season. Both losses came in overtime on neutral site courts, which shows how nearly perfect they were on the season, finishing third in the AP polls. They were, however, perfect in conference play at 18-0. In a conference that is nothing to be ashamed about, no harm, no foul, they had five teams this season with 21 or more wins, and that's not including powerhouse VCU, who over the past decade has been dominant 
in the conference and has made runs in the NCAA tournament. And they only have the 18 wins, so this conference was very deep from top to bottom. Dayton also was able to hold a 20-game win streak, which was the longest in the nation. Dayton's Anthony Grant was able to beat out Baylor, Scott Drew, and San Diego State's Brian Dutcher, who both were very well deserving of the award as well. Scott Drew had Baylor at the top of the uh, nation for a while, number one ranking. All five of their starters gelled well together. They played well together. They moved the ball. They took pride in their defense. And they ran to Kansas at the end, and they just still ended up probably going to be a number one seed in the tournament, but just fell to Kansas and the Mountaineers at the Coliseum, where they played. Mountaineers played very well on the season at the Coliseum. And then San Diego State's Brian Dutcher. San Diego State had a tremendous season with 30 wins. However, they took a stumble there at the end of the Mountain West Conference title game. And had it been for that, they could have been a number one seed this season. But projections had him at number two, which is why Anthony Grant was able to take home Coach of the Year. Next, we will shift to Defensive Player of the Year. Then it comes out of Kansas. And it was not Yudoka Azabuki, it was Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett was able to average 1.8 steals per game and be one of the top players in the nation with 4.5 deflections per game. And he was in your face every possession, never took a playoff. And with those two, Garrett and Azabuki running the floor, you can only imagine how well Kansas's defense fared throughout the season. And they ended up ranking second in defensive efficiency, only behind the Virginia Cavaliers at number one. But to fall short of Virginia, who's always one of the top defensive teams in the nation and takes pride in their defense and plays low-scoring, slow-style basketball, for Kansas only to be number two behind them is very well deserving and shows how well they played defense this year and an outstanding mark for them. The point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center of the year awards were also given out. The Bob Cousy point guard of the year came out of the Pac-12, and it was Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Pritchard was able to take home the point guard award. He also won the Pac-12 Player of the Year award, and in my opinion, was one of the most improved players in, of the year, and he hopefully will carry that momentum into next season and into the next level if he gets selected and can be a play, hopefully another playmaker at the next level. The Jerry West Shooting Guard of the Year award was given out to Miles Powell out of Seton Hall, who also took home the Big East Player of the Year award over Marcus Howard. The Julius Irving Small Forward of the Year Award went to Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. Bay and Villanova both had quiet seasons this year. Jay Wright always has the Wildcats up at the top of the country and top of the AP polls. Bay had a quiet season but was very well-deserving of the award, averaging 16 points, nearly 5 rebounds. Heck of a season, and we'll see what the Wildcats can do next year. And as I said, the Carmelo Power Forward of the Year went to Obi Toppin. And then the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Center of the Year went to Luca Garza, who was also able to beat out Michigan State's senior point guard Cassius Winston for Big Ten Player of the Year. Cassius was able to come over personal issues, personal tragedies he had this season, and play at a high level. You know, always wishing him the best at the next level as well. I think he could be great at the next level. I think Luca Obi will be in the lottery whether the draft gets held in June, July, or August is yet to be determined. But also think Cassius Winston, probably Peyton Pritchard, those playmaking guards of Miles Powell, Marcus Howard, will all be tremendous at the next level if they continue on the path to success like they are. 
The Conference Player of the Year awards were given out, as I've already mentioned, Peyton Pritchard in the Pac-12, Miles Powell in the Big East, and Luca Garza in the Big Ten. But in the Big 12, Yudoka Azabuki took home that award. The ACC Player of the Year was Trey Jones, and the SEC Player of the Year was Emmanuel Quickly out of Kentucky. Trey Jones' teammate in Duke, Vernon Carey Jr., in my opinion, if he hasn't already received it, will be Freshman Player of the Year. He was able to average nearly 18 points and nearly 9 rebounds on a season, and will also be a one-and-done player this season. It came as a surprise as Vernon Carey winning that award by beating out Georgia's Anthony Edwards, which Anthony Edwards is projected to be the number one overall draft pick in this year's NBA draft. And Edwards is also able to average 19 points a game, five rebounds, and plays like a stud. Like he's, he is definitely going to be number one or top three draft pick in this year's draft. But the difference being Georgia not having the greatest season as Duke did, and that also factors into the voting is team success. And that's why Vernon Carey was able to take the Freshman of the Year award home over Anthony Edwards, if he has not already. Now we will look towards next year and in 2021 and who I have and who I think may be able to steal the show, maybe come to fruition as one of the best in the country. We'll start with the teams and the head coaches. My first head coach nominee the first coach I believe will win the award next year is Creighton's Greg McDermott. Creighton this season was able to finish first in the Big East with a record of 24-7, and 13-5 in conference. They have star player Marcus Zagorowski hopefully coming back who was able to win All-American awards. Creighton will be returning practically everyone on the roster. Hopefully Zagorowski comes back, which I believe he will. But Creighton also was able to get Duke's transfer, Alex O'Connell. So with the recruits they have coming in, Zagorowski coming back, Duke transfer, I believe Greg McDermott will be one of the nominees for Coach of the Year next season. My second and third nominee both come out of the Big 12. It is WVU's Bob Huggins and Baylor Scott Drew. The reason for that being, we will start with Huggins. WVU returns everyone practically. They're only going to lose one senior who contributed in Jermaine Haley, who also started. Didn't really lose anybody else or any other playmakers and have a, also a great recruiting class coming in. Huggins took the Mountaineers to a 21-10 record this season with a very, very young group of guys who didn't really play well on the road. But if they get that situated, they will improve on the 21-10 record and be one of the top teams in the country. They also have to overcome the scheduling. They are gonna. They played the second toughest schedule this past season, and are looking at being number one or two toughest schedule next season. But most of those out of conference games will come at home, which is a great plus. And also Baylor Scott Drew. Baylor's only losing one starter, just like the Mountaineers. So Baylor's gonna return guys, and they're gonna keep playing. They're gonna keep up with the defense, just like WVU. Kansas is gonna have a hard time next season compete with both of them, especially with Azubuki leaving. And probably Dawson, the point guard, going to the next level. We'll see what players Kansas is able to bring in. But Texas is looking to bring back guys. Texas Tech is always there. So the Big 12 will be stacked next season, top to bottom. We'll look at the players now. And who I believe have a chance to make a name for themselves next year. We will start with the transfers. 
I got three transfers on the list. We got Sharif O'Neal heading to LSU, son of Shaquille O'Neal. Has didn't really put up big numbers this past season in his couple games he played. Hopefully given putting him in a new situation, new area, new team, new coach, new system will help his progression and become one of the top players in the country. Landers Nolly from Virginia Tech was able to average fifteen and a half points a game, five point eight rebounds this past season. We'll see where he lands next season. Hopefully that decision comes soon. But he was a stud watching him play. When a guy can average over 15 points and nearly six rebounds a game, you know teams are going to be calling his number wanting to get him. And then the third guy I have on the list is Sam Sessoms. He comes from Big Hampton University, which a school wins no games practically. But the kid has transferred to Penn State. He averages over 19 points a game, five rebounds, and nearly five assists. He can do it all. He feels the stat sheet. He, I believe, will go into the starting role right away. Even though he came from a lesser college, he has the experience. The star players I have are Oscar Shibway out of West Virginia. If he returns, he has put his name into the NBA draft, but I believe he will return. He has not really been playing basketball that much, maybe five five years of his life. He just He's new to the game. He's still learning the rules. You can see that when you watch him play. I also have Fats Russell, point guard out of Rhode Island. The dude, just like Marcus Howard and Miles Powell out of the Big East, is a walking bucket. He's a little on the smaller side. He's much shorter, doesn't weigh as much, not as strong. But the kid carries that team. And Rhode Island has been in the tournament the past couple seasons by his leadership. And he's going to a senior season. So I think he will try to up his game just one more notch. A.J. Green out of Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is always one of the top teams in the country. They were also able to win 25-plus games this season. A.J. Green nearly averages 20 points a game this past season. They played outstanding against the Mountaineers. Should have won that game. And the Mountaineers ended up being one of the best teams in the country. And Northern Iowa should have beat them. But A.J. Green will have his name on many lists come next season. Garrison Brooks out of North Carolina. It is a surprise to me he is returning. You know, I believe he's only a freshman, but he averaged 17, nearly 17 points, eight and a half rebounds. I think with point guard, Anthony would have upped Garrison's game a little bit. But he was still able to dominate without him. With the, the uh, I don't want to say lesser guys, but not having the camaraderie, the playmaking ability of Anthony there. I think that kind of brought him down maybe a little bit. But I think he also took the leadership role and was able to step it up a notch with him going down, trying to carry the team. As I mentioned already, Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton, big-time playmaker. Love to see him play. Going to be excellent watching him next year and see what he can do and prove it on his game. I believe he's going to be big. And then Philippe Prechazev out of Gonzaga was able to average 17.5 points a game this season, nearly eight rebounds. Gonzaga will be atop the country again next season, just like the Villanovas, the Dukes, the Kentuckys. The Kansases, they're all up there every year. Every single coach of those, those teams have a chance to put their name in the running for coach of the year. But the thing is, they already have high expectations. They have to exceed those marks every year to really win the award. And that's why I think Creighton's head coach, Greg McDermott, has the ability to take the award home next season because I don't know if Creighton will be projected number one in the Big East. It may be Villanova. Seton Hall may be there. Xavier Butler, they all may be there. We'll see where Creighton lies. 
Maybe they can exceed expectations. And I believe they'll make a deep run in the tournament next season. The underrated playmakers going to next season that their names may not be on radars because of the teams they play for and the conferences they play in. But I'll start with one of the best players in the country, in my opinion, and Jason Preston. May not have heard of him before. Plays at Ohio University in the MAC Conference. He averaged nearly 17 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 7.5 assists this past season. Almost a triple-double. This man racked up the stat sheet. He shot over 40% from three. He is excellent. And if Ohio can get into the tournament, he will be a player to lead his team as a Cinderella run. The kid can do it all. We also have Scotty Lewis out of Florida. Now, Scotty Lewis didn't do hardly anything this past season. He thought he was going to be a one-and-done player. He was the number seven ranked recruit coming into last season. He didn't really make a lot of plays. He thought he it was a down season for him. He thought he'd do a lot more. And I believe coming back, having that year of college experience underneath his belt, he will elevate his game. Now, the freshmen coming in to the next season, you really can't predict what they're going to do. So I am not going to yet call on any of those or point any of those out. You look at this past season, LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton both went overseas, playing in different leagues, didn't even come to the NCAA. James Wiseman, number one recruit, going to be one of the top picks in the draft, packed his stuff up and left Memphis. You don't know what's going to happen with these guys. Kenyon Martin Jr. ended up, instead of going to Vanderbilt where he was supposed to, ended up playing a grad year at IMG Academy, and he's putting his name into the NBA draft. So we have no clue what these freshmen coming in next season are going to do, what decisions they're going to make, what the NCAA may stop them from doing, like James Wiseman, stop them from competing, try to find violations within them. And with that, you have the number one recruit, Jalen Green, yet to commit. He has yet to make a decision, but the undefeated did point out and say that he will make his decision on April 15th. So within the next few days, you'll be getting a decision from number one recruit Jalen Green, the number one recruit for the 2020-2021 season. Many others have already put their name in and have chosen their destination, their college. And it looks like most of them will attend the NCAA and not pick a different route, whether it be the G League, going overseas, sitting a year out, which is excellent. You know, that's excellent for college basketball. That's what we need. That'll about wrap things up for today's episode. I would like to thank those who tuned in and gave us a listen. And please send us feedback and comments, whether it be negative or positive. We would love to hear from you all. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or on our website. I know it's a rough start, but it's only the beginning. We're going to continue to improve and keep rolling out the entertainment for you guys, whether it be on the blog or the podcast. We're going to have future giveaways and merchandise to be handed out and sold. We're going to be bringing guests onto the show to join in on the excitement and the conversation. And we're going to have fun with it, and we're going to keep it rolling. Appreciate it.